Hey, welcome to Tuesday Take, where we sit down with Pastor James and ask a few questions and hear some additional thoughts from this week's sermon. All right, thank you for joining us and welcome to another edition of the Tuesday Take podcast here at First Monroe. Um, we've got our pastor, James Doty, with us this week. Hello. Nice to see you, James. Hey, Alan. I'm uh, Alan Goodwin. I'm our student pastor here at First Monroe, and we also have a special guest uh, joining us this week. We have Chad McClurg from the ULMBCM. Say hello, Chad. Hi. It's good to have you all here this week. It's awesome to be together, uh, talk about God's Word, and talk about, um, James, what you preached about this week on Sunday. So getting right into it, you said the main point for this week as we were continuing in our series through the book of Matthew. So the main point was... True holiness is a matter of the heart. Why do you think that we tend to look at holiness from an external perspective? I think it's easier. I think it 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 kind of puts us off the hook, you know. And so, like like this example, you know, with murder. Well, I hadn't murdered anybody, so that means I'm a good person and I'm 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 holy. I hadn't you know uh, committed adultery uh, on my wife. Uh, with another woman, so man, I'm I'm good. I, you know, you right. start listing all these things, and you start to make yourself feel good, and, and then you start to realize. And Jesus does this is like, hey, there's actually something deeper than this that He's trying to get after of these deeper things, and really, really showing us that. I mean, true holiness originates from our hearts, and right. and it's not well, what says, you know it doesn't originate in our hands; it originates in our hearts, and so it's mm-hmm. this thing that starts here. And so He's like, hey, look, true holiness and righteousness. If you're going to call it be salt and light, it has to start first and foremost with our hearts. You know? Yeah, I had a professor in college, whenever he talked about the Sermon on the Mount specifically, he would always say that Jesus was more concerned with uh, inner motive than outward action, which right. is the opposite of how we as people think, is mm-hmm. we think, well, it just matters what I do. It doesn't matter what's in my heart. It doesn't matter the resentment or the lust or the things that are going on inside of me. But the clear thing is those things spill out, and right. those things cause choices and stuff. And so thinking about it, this is a heart matter and what goes on inside our hearts and our heads matters as much as our outward actions. Is it shows us the revolutionary kind of message that Jesus had, and, and I think we can hide behind actions too. You know, I mean, because I mean, I can go on a mission trip, have a horrible heart about it. Nobody knows that. Mm-hmm. All people see is the Instagram picture I put up that I went on a mission trip. And they're like, man, that's a good dude. You know, uh, he must really follow Jesus. And so it's like a lot of times we we put on these facades and faces, just like the Pharisees and scribes, that we can do to really hide for a lot of wicked things we have in our hearts, you know. Mm. And um, I think that's why what it, Jesus will say later on, it's probably the scariest passage in the Sermon on the Mount, where he says, there's going to be people on that day say, Lord, Lord, you know, I did these things in your name, you right. know. And he says, yeah, but I don't know you, mm. you know, because it's not just about an action. It's about our hearts, you know. Well, and actions tend to be kind of the only thing that we see from other people as well. So we'd probably be better served if we, like Chad said, concerned ourselves more with the inner motives in our own lives, but also in others' lives, we'd probably be better served to do that all the way around. So can we agree, can we all agree that murder is wrong? Yes. I think so. Yes. yes. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to put my stamp of approval on that statement, murder is wrong. Yes. But Jesus made a pretty strong claim about anger and its relation to murder. So how should that affect the way that we interact with each other? It's pretty startling that he compares murder to being angry with someone you know and for me my first response is that's a little extreme that's a little little much but it's the same principle you know that 
the 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 fruit of anger is murder. I mean, you know, we looked at Cain and, and Abel. You know, he was angry, and so because of his anger, he mm-hmm. it caused him to do this thing. And so he's like, "Hey, this is where murder starts. First and foremost, in your heart, mm-hmm. it starts first and foremost with anger." And so this, and so he's trying to get deeper, you know, than to show like, "Hey, it, it's something much deeper than just action." And so it all begins with with anger. Anger. I think we said this Sunday that, I mean, if we think about our life, many times in in anger. It causes hurt in relationships, you know. It it can cause hurt physically, but also just emotionally, words, so many different things in our life. Call, things happen because we're angry and we have anger in our heart, and it causes hurt in relationships, whether it's an actual death, as like murder, or things that people carry around with them for the rest of their life, you know. And right. it's, I mean, a lot of the most hurtful things we've said or been said to us has usually been done in anger, you know. And it's one of these things we immediately want to start watering down. Well, Jesus didn't really mean that. Well, he didn't use a lot of words, so he obviously right. clearly meant this, that this was just as important. And so, because everything in the Sermon on the Mount is, well, you've heard this, but I'm going to tell you this. Like, he's come to give us the, the real picture of what living in the kingdom of God looks like, and it's going to make our lives, our actions, and our interactions with each other look radically different. And so we can't Absolutely. immediately be like, no, 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 no. That's He didn't really mean that. Well... If he didn't really mean it, he wouldn't have really said it. Yeah, because it wasn't a suggestion. He didn't say, hey, it'd be a good idea if, if you, you weren't so angry. If you can, try to, da-da-da. Right, be careful with that anger. <clears throat> you know, it, you know, it can lead to murder. He actually went really strong and said, hey, you know, consider these two the same things. And that's a pretty radical idea. Um, so if you've ever spent any time around young people at all, specifically um, anyone teenage years or younger, you're going to hear them talk a lot about things that are fair or unfair. That's a big complaint that a lot of people have, especially a lot of young people as they kind of look around life and realize, man, life's not fair sometimes. So Chad, talk a little bit about this idea of fairness. Well, one of the things I really struggled to learn in my adulthood is that the word fair probably as a Christian needs to be eliminated from our vocabulary. Right. What I mean by that is when we look at a lot of the relationships we have, when we get angry, when we get frustrated, when we really boil it down, when we don't know how to express it, we'll say, well, it's just not fair. It's just not fair the way they treated me. It's just not Mm -hmm. fair the way they did this. And so we want justice for that. And the thing about it is, is the basis of our faith is that we receive something that was unfair. And so when we look at each other and say, well, you know, James, because you've done this thing to me, it's just not fair. You need to pay for this. You need to make up for this. You need to do this. We're holding each other to this extremely high standard. But then we love singing about grace. Like the whole basis of our faith is that we did not merit the forgiveness of God, but we experienced that. And so we cannot hold each other to the standard that God did not. God said, I'm going to forgive you despite your sin. I'm going to forgive you despite fairness. Like, the fairness we were owed is, according to Scripture, is death. Like the wage of sin, the cost of sin is death. And so we have to within ourselves be like, well, sometimes things are not fair, and we have to move past that. And the only thing that can help us do that is the you know, supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, be able to move past things. Because when you get to the end of the day and you're like, yeah, this wasn't fair, and I am owed more than this or whatever, and you move beyond that, that's because of the work of the Savior in your heart. And so I think a word we need mm-hmm. to erase from our vocabulary really is the the idea of fair because we um, we did not sign up for fairness when we signed up to be uh, part of the kingdom of God. Hmm. I think we Absolutely. use it as a excuse to justify our actions, sinfulness like this. I, I'm I'm justified in harboring this anger, mm-hmm. you know, or I'm justified in 
cutting people out of my life or whatever it may be. And so I think, you know, exactly what you said is we just use it as an excuse to help justify things in our life, you know? Absolutely. Because I think that we can agree that there is a, there is a righteous anger that exists yeah. and there's yeah. an unrighteous mm-hmm. anger. We see that, you know, we can see in Scripture that it says that God's throne is built on judgment, right? That God, or just, justice, justice and righteousness, say. yeah. So God call, concerns himself a lot with justice, mm-hmm. and he cares about justice, so we should as well. So when we see hard injustice in life, that should be something that, you know, invokes a response in you. And we even see Christ at times in Scripture um, be very passionate about things, but when we look at things that are unfair, it's like we like to say, well, I'm righteously angry mm-hmm. because of this. No, the, the, the whole thing of righteous anger should probably not be um, passing on to things that can be so trivial that we tend to get angry over. Um, we also kind of talked about this idea of murdering someone from your life. So what does that mean, to murder someone from your life? Yeah, James, I thought that was really an interesting thing that you said, uh, talking about this, because you said the anger that we have towards people can lead to bitterness and can lead to resentment and can basically lead to us trying to push people out of our life, to um, to <clears throat> not spend time with people, to snub them, to try to move away from them in relationship. And the reality, that's what we're doing, is we are trying to murder them out of our life. And I thought that was uh, a really a good point because I find myself doing that. Like when I get mad at somebody, well, I don't want to deal with it and I can't believe they did this. And so, oh, I'm just not calling them. You know, I'm just not going to text them anymore. I'm not going to do this or that. If that's what they want, then yada, yada, which is the opposite of how the kingdom is supposed to work. And so I, I don't know. I thought that was really convicting to say what I'm really trying to do is just what Jesus said is you are trying to murder them. You're trying to murder them out of your existence and out of your life. And um, that's just not the correct way for people to live because if you look clearly through scriptures, it says we're supposed to work for peace and try to be peaceful in all we do. Yeah, Absolutely. and I, I think that's like even if we can just be honest, even like, you know, in church life, sometimes we get upset with people and what can happen is, you know, we say, well, I'm just going to just move. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, maybe, but are we doing the same thing? Are we, are we trying to just take this easy route, you know, of, mm-hmm. of, of taking people out of our life and, and that that doesn't glorify the Lord, you know, in doing that. And I, I think all of us, I, I know I've done it before, of just, um, and of course we try to justify it. I know I have, but you're just like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm tired of it, you know? And, you know, I, I'm going to delete them out of my phone. I'm going to, whatever it may be, you know? And some things could be out of protection because some people are toxic and evil. So, but generally, I think sometimes we can, if we're not careful, we can just shut people out. And I, I mean, as believers, we believe that through Christ, that we are the body of Christ, correct? So when we start kind of chopping off people, other believers especially, just due to you know maybe some petty angriness or, or maybe just things that derive from some hurt feelings or things like that, that's severing members of the body from each other, and that can be really difficult and can really be detrimental to um, to the mission, right? To the mission of believers. And I think that's a good good point of like, especially with us, with believers, you know, because a non-believer is going to, I mean, we can't expect them to act like Jesus toward us. I mean, that's just the reality. If someone doesn't know Jesus and they don't respond in a good way back to us, I mean, I, I shouldn't hold them to a stand, you know, be like, well, you should have acted like Jesus. Well, if they don't know Jesus, they can't. But especially for us as believers, you know, that that's where it's like really, I mean, if anybody should display Jesus to one another, it should be between us, you know, yeah. as believers, you know, to be willing to talk and, you know. Absolutely. So in kind of this idea of, you know, we've kind of hit on the fact that anger is wrong. 
you know, and, and Jesus is right, pretty much. Jesus is right, and he says that anger is, is, is wrong and that anger is just as sinful as murder. And as harsh as that is, we see that um, he's correct, and that can be difficult. So we talked about how reconciling with each other can be awkward at times. But you said that one of the one of the things that we ought to be doing as we pursue holiness in this area is that we ought to seek to make things right. So why is it important that we still seek to make things right, even though, man, it can be tough and awkward? Yeah, I think that we're commanded to do that. We were, you know, talking about a verse before we started um, recording here out of Hebrews, and it's a very active term that it talks about. It says, "Strive for peace with everyone." This is out of the book of Hebrews. It says, "Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness which no one will see the Lord." Just the idea of it, we're supposed to work towards this because really when we are spending our time um, just dealing with, with ourselves, dealing with whatever is happening within ourselves, the interpersonal relationships and the hurt and all that, we have no time left to try to be fulfilling the mission of God. Right. And so if we spend, if we as a church, if we as a body of believers are having to spend all of this time just working through our own things or not working through them, it limits what we're able to do. And so we're called to be proactive. We're called to go do this. We're, it, it, as a Christian, I can't wait for someone to make the first move to try to restore a relationship or try to deal with a hurt. If there's something that's bothering me, I have to look within myself and say, is this something I just have to get over because I'm being selfish, or is this something we need to talk through? And if it is, then I have a spiritual responsibility to to follow up on that. And it doesn't matter about the awkwardness or the inconvenience or how it makes me feel. Um, but the beauty of that is a lot of times when you when you do that, it actually brings about a greater move in that relationship. I can think about all these times I've had to sit people down or say, hey, here's what I felt or here's what I was going through, and just the the grace you saw in those situations and the fulfillment of relationships and the reestablishing of relationships um, just makes it, it, it's so funny because it makes it all worth it in the end. You know, like, man, uh, we, we came through this and now we have a deeper relationship because of this. But if we get stuck in our own apprehension, we get stuck in our own desire to not have um, an awkward conversation, we miss out on all of that and just delay the work of the kingdom. Yeah, and I think that's you know, like you said earlier, just stating what what you said is like, hey, this is what I've just you just this is what you're supposed to do, you know. And I think that demonstrates our faith, you know, is because God a lot of times calls us to things that are uncomfortable and hard and difficult, and and it's like stepping out in faith to do these things, you know. And a lot of it even is God working in our own heart, you know. A lot of times when we have to, I mean, that requires humility, you know. Like when we have to call somebody, text somebody, you know, it. it I think a lot of times our pride gets in our way mm-hmm. because we're like, well, let's go back. Like, well, they wrong me. They should they should call me. You know, like I'm not I'm not the one. You know, and and but it causes a lot of humility in us to say, well, I'm I'm willing to humble myself, and whether they respond well or not or whatever, I, that's not my job. I I just want to be obedient to the Lord, and I'm gonna humble myself and walk in faith and just say, hey, this is what God's called me to do, and and um. The fruit that I think that has in our own hearts um, of releasing anger in our heart, own hearts, but also not knowing, man, what that does to someone else, you know? Yeah, and sometimes these problems are super fixable. Like, we right. think they're going to be real complicated. Alan was around one time uh, early on when I had a student get mad at me back when he was at the BCM, and we had just been talking sports stuff, and I just I didn't know how much it was annoying him until it, like, ex- exploded. And then after right. that, I was like, oh, we just don't have to talk about that. And we've been great friends ever since. I was actually in this wedding, you know what I mean? So it right. all worked out, you know? But I think that sometimes you can be like, these problems are pretty fixable. And that explosion you just talked about is, is a really good point because, James, you were, you were kind of mentioning that, like, it doesn't, 
it doesn't truly matter as much as whether or not someone responds well, right? That that the like the true essence of it is that you would be obedient to Christ and His call in our life to not just not be angry, but also to reconcile with one another. So we have a responsibility when we reconcile. I think also to be obedient in those moments. It's not just saying, "All right, well, I'm gonna go reconcile, but I'm gonna do it my way." Or there can be a there can be a you know maybe a temptation to try to get or some. I'm gonna last, dig at them when I'm I when dig I, at them. You know, I want yeah. you to know just how bad. <laughs> I was angry at you and just all the ways you deserved it because there can be a difficulty because on the on the one hand just Chad like you were talking about we have a responsibility to kind of flesh out and say okay is this just something that's trivial and if and is the answer here I need to deal with this on my end this is an unrighteous anger this is a really trivial thing or is it you know I've been really hurt you know and and there and this is something that I want to speak about because if we all sat down and apologized to each other every single time that we were ever angry at each other, yeah. it'd be really hard to talk about anything else. So there's, I think there's that whole what thing. What are you saying, of, man? <laughs> <laughs> so I think there's this whole thing of like trying to work through that and say, all right, is this, is this more, you know, God calling me to not be so angry about things and to, and to really, you know, put those things away? Um, or is this a, an opportunity that I have to reconcile and make something right? And not in that moment bring up a lot of past yeah. baggage because it can be, you know, now that I've got you here, now that I've got you sitting down, let's bring up all these things that I've let pile up. Mm-hmm. And that can, I don't believe that that's really a righteous act for a believer as well. Yeah, I think it's and sort of understanding your own self and the things that drive you crazy. Like, I'm a very planned person. Like, I like to know what's going on. I like to know what's going on. So let's say I'm supposed to have lunch with James. And it's got a, I've got this plan in my head. And he calls his, hey, a uh, uh, kid's sick. I got to take him to the doctor. I will immediately get frustrated about that because I like plans. Now, I can't get mad at James about that because I love his kids and I want them to be healthy and exist, and so I understand about things. So I've had to really look at myself and see the times I do get angry and realize that that's just part of life is understanding how to learn to be flexible and learning the things that annoy you, learn the things that stress you. And from knowing those things, it's helped me to be able to deal with that more in, in the future with that. So I think it's trying to kind of understand the things that kind of drive you bonkers and be able to kind of go from there. Mm-hmm. Just like James said, and kind of his first kind of application point for us is to find the source of our anger. Mm-hmm. So that can be source of our anger for big things and the small as well. Mm-hmm. So a question for us, and this is kind of pushing some things out of the way, just kind of being really honest with each other. Who is the most important person in your life? It's usually me. Yeah. Usually. Yeah, it's usually James. I mean, I know it's usually James for me too. <laughs> it's not the right answer, but mm-hmm. I think you know, as we said Sunday, that's a lot of times where I'm annoyed, irritated, angry at my wife, at Kirsten, at, at our kids, um, Piper and Chapel, or just in life in general. Is that usually I'm just focused on myself. I only really care about myself, and so care about how or how people treat me. Like, of mm-hmm. course, they should have treated me better than that, you know, or they should have acknowledged me, you know. Mm-hmm. And because I think we just think real highly of ourselves, and um, and I, 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 I've just indicated in my life is that a lot of times when I'm angry, it usually people do hurt, but but I, a lot of times it's just it's really self inflicted, you know, of like I'm I'm the source of it, you know, it's because I'm just just looking at me, you know. So Christ is meant to be the most important person in our life, right? Yes. Yeah. So when we make that switch, you know, by faith in Christ, that switch being all right now, you know, I have been the, the person that I make all these decisions around, and I've been the most important person in my life. But now through Jesus, he's now Lord of my life, right? Yeah, and, and kind of, he's, 
yeah, and it kind of shows when you get that wrong, that's when the trouble starts. Because if, if we were the most important person in life, then all this stuff would matter. Right. But we are not the most important person in life. You know, mm. it's clearly, you know, Christ, others, like we're clearly called to that. And so when we, we, when we get that wrong and we put ourselves in that first place, which we do on a daily basis, that's where this stuff comes from. But when you start to have that correct perspective, and, you know, you, you live out what Jesus said is the most important commandment to love God and to love others. Uh, you get over things a lot quicker, and you can Absolutely. deal with things a lot quicker. And I think, you know, what's the old adage that hurt people hurt people, you know? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times some people may hurt us and do things that we get angry at, whether we we know them or it could be like just somebody, like a waiter or somebody at a restaurant or, or whatever. But like thinking of like a lot of times we don't know what's going on in their own life, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and there's a reason why they may have responded that way to us is because maybe they've been hurt, you know. And But when we're just focused on we just focus on our feelings and just the way that I feel, which could, you know, they may have harmed us or said something really hurtful. But a lot of times in my life, like if I've been hurt, I usually tend to turn around and try to hurt somebody else. And, and I think we all are that way, you know. And do y'all ever rehearse speeches in your head that you're going to give to people? Like you're going to sit down and talk to somebody and, and you did this, but then you start thinking, well, and then they're going to say this, and then I'm going to say this, and they're going to say this. And you sit down and you realize the whole reason any of this happened was nothing you expected. Right. Nothing you had any idea about. And you're like, but I had a whole speech. Uh-huh. I guess the older I've gotten, the more I've realized, like, I'm just not smart enough to understand why anybody does anything. And so when I try to assume in my anger and my frustration why people are doing things, because it's always that they're just selfish and that they're just terrible and they're all these things. But I think it's coming to people with a genuine openness of, like, I want to know why this happened. I want to know why you haven't done this. Or I want to know why this happened because this is how it affected me. And I think you have to come with that same kind of grace and that same kind of humility. You can't come as like, I am the wronged party that needs justification. But I'm coming sincerely to like, I want to work through this. And because I love you enough and I care for you enough and Christ has called me to do this, I want to work through this. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So piggybacking off of that, thankfully Jesus didn't just call us out about our anger. Um, He also offered grace to us through his sacrifice, through his life. So how does grace change things for us? Changes for us. Not only does it forgive us, and so I think that's the other thing, is that um, our, I, I think a lot of us, uh, and maybe even Sunday, um, of just thinking of like, man, I've said some a lot of hurtful things to people, you know? And the problem is, like, I, what's the illustration with toothpaste? You know, you can squeeze it out, you just can't put it back in. That's the thing is, like, a lot of us, I mean, we're like, man, I... I I've really said some really, really horrible things to people, or I've really done some really bad things to people. But thankfully that God's grace is able to forgive us from the times that we have responded in anger. We have said things, we've done things in anger, and the Lord and His grace is able to forgive us. But I think also reminding us and not that we'll just wallow in our own sinfulness and like, well, you know, we all get angry, you know, but also to speak out like, hey, God's grace is given to us to help us. You know, like I don't have to have an angry heart. You know, God's grace is able to do that, you know. And even I was telling you earlier, this this is, past couple of days of just me dealing with this on my own heart, just seeing a tenderness in my heart toward my wife and kids that I haven't sensed in a while. And not that I'm perfect or today may be hard, but just even just to recognize like in my own heart of like, hey, that's God's grace. You know, like I didn't respond like I normally do, or I didn't, I was a lot more patient, you know, and I wasn't, you know, and it's like, it's maybe to be like, oh, I just you know must ate something good today, you know. But <laughs> calling it out, but has God's grace, and yeah. I need to be thankful for that. And and you know, we don't just share about God's grace just because we usually when we say God's grace, like oh, I just forgive me my past and stuff, you know. It's like well, we also need to share about God's testimony of God's grace and helping us right. be holy, you know. Yeah, and I think about it just like 
I always ask myself when, when I'm called to something, what is the benefit of it? Cause I always think there's a real benefit. And I mean, I want to live in harmony with people. Like I want good relationships and I want these kind of things. I don't want to turn the corner and see somebody that I know doesn't want to talk to me. Mm. Like I don't want to have those, yeah. those clouds hanging over relationships. You know, I say, I don't want to have a student on campus. I walk and they divert the other way cause they don't want to talk to me cause they're mad. And I think that's how we're supposed to live. Cause I think that's what we want and that's what we're seeking in community. Absolutely. And sometimes it takes work to get there, but it, it's sure worth it. Like that's the thing, I guess, like dealing with these things, talking to these things, dealing with this pain, you know, processing, showing grace, it, it really is worth it. And that's why Christ calls us to it. Cause on the other side of all this are great God honoring relationships, which we were designed to, um, to need. So it's such, it is such a good thing. That's a great point. So we've kind of talked about the serious things we've, uh, um, talked about anger. We've talked about how Christ has called us to something different. Um, we have a last question for y'all, a little bit of a silly one. What fast food restaurant chain makes you the most angry and why? Sonic. <laughs> Sonic uh, on North 18th. <laughs> okay, wow. Why is that? It just makes me angry every time. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It just seems like. It's just slow, slow, <laughs> not good service. But I'm trying to work on that. But to say, I need God's grace. But to say this yeah, took you, a little bit of a serious turn. We will be praying you, for you, James. You, you just, uh, <laughs> we're talking about anger, and then you just stirred it up in me. <laughs> I, I think it's Whataburger, okay. just in general, because they're just selling you Sonic's food. <laughs> this is my hot take, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not getting off this corner. <laughs> If we did a blind taste test of the food between Sonic and Whataburger, it's the same thing. Even the honey butter chicken biscuit? It's fine. There's it, certain things that, that tend to make you angry just because they exist. And I think that's about how chicken salad chick is for me. <laughs> it's just there, and it's mere presence is something that disappoints me. But if you like it, I love you. And Yeah, uh, yeah and I like Sonic, and we I keep going back. Right, so, Absolutely. Know. So uh, thank you again for listening to us for another edition of Tuesday Take Podcast here at First Monroe. Uh, We look forward to seeing you next week.